Wow, have I got a treat for y'all today, playing his hit songs, and he has many hit songs, and demonstrating them and showing you how he created them and telling you the stories behind them. He's one of America's most successful rock and roll tunesmiths and hit makers. We're talking about Jim Peterick. He's on the show. We're going to his badass studio just outside of Chicago, and I'm going to jam a little bit with him. Very, very cool hang. And it's brought to you by Tascam and the new Mixcast 4. This thing is the coolest podcast workstation you could probably ever dream up. It's got four dual XLR inputs for mics and line level things and plugging guitars or drum machines or microphones in there, effects pedals, modelers. You can do everything live, all kinds of pro features. Easy plug and play means you can pull the mix cast right out of the box, plug it in, start recording. You'll be recording or streaming in a matter of minutes. You can record directly to an SD card or to your favorite software or your hard drive. You can even record multi-track files on the SD card and edit them together later. This thing is just built for the current era. It's got built-in effects processing and allows you to use EQ, compression, reverb, etc. It's got these cool sound pads where you can add samples and tap them on the fly like a radio DJ. You can use USB inputs, smartphone, or Bluetooth channels play along to your favorite songs. It's really convenient if somebody calls in and you want to have their phone record straight into the Mixcast 4. Lightweight, portable, it can go anywhere you can. I love this thing. Everything you could need for a podcast workstation. So yeah, today we're going to go to Jim Peterick's awesome studio just outside of Chicago. It's a really nice place. And Jim Peterick, man, he's had hit songs since he was 19 years old. He wrote a number one hit song called Vehicle with the Ides of March, came out in 1970. Wrote that when he was 18. Of course, you might know him from Eye of the Tiger, one of the biggest FM rock radio hits of the past few decades. He's written with 38 Special, you know, Hold On Loosely, Caught Up In You, Rock Into The Night, the great song Heavy Metal with Sammy Hagar. And from the Ides of March, another original member will be there, Larry Millis. He's joining us. He's actually recording this. Thank you, Larry. Those guys are still together since like 1964, man. And they still are all original members, I guess. And they and I, they still play. I've played double bills with them. Being in Jefferson Starship, you know, Kathy Richardson is our lead singer. And she met Jim Peterick when she was, I don't know, maybe in high school? She was working at her dad's gas station. He had a service station. And this fancy car pulled in. And some of the guys in the back were like, that's Jim Peterick from Survivor. And then Kathy was like, holy shit, Dad. That's Jim Peterick from Survivor. And then he didn't really know who that was, but he said, well, you like doing music, so I'm going to go talk to him. And he apparently went up to Jim and said, what advice do you have my daughter? Because she loves doing music. And he said, get a good lawyer. <laughs> Nonetheless, their friendship has lasted ever since that day, pretty much. And uh, through Kathy, I've gotten to know Jim a little bit. And uh, he's just the coolest cat. He always looks super cool. He's got purple hair a lot of the time. Way before all y'all were dyeing your hair purple nowadays. I see you. And always has super cool shoes and shades. It's always got the look going on. He's about 70 years old, 71. And um, we even got to record with him. Co-wrote a song with Kathy. And we recorded a few songs at his son's place, which is this awesome studio facility outside of Chicago called the Jam Lab. Colin Peterick, great musician great ears as an engineer and a producer and that's a great place to do stuff in chicago whether you want to record tracks or do a showcase or a video the jam lab is the spot 
So I hope you enjoy this. At one point, another Jim comes in. It's Jim's guitar tech, in case you're wondering. Also, Jim Peterick took me on a tour of all his guitars, man. I filmed it. It took like half an hour. That was nuts. I will edit together that video and put it up ASAP. Insane. But for now, we're going to dive into his great songs. Thanks again to Tascam, the Mixcast 4 podcast workstation. Such a useful device. Check it out. Let's head over. Long helicopter ride today. Going over to the west side of Chicago. Plug in with Jim Peterick. He's playing a Gibson SJ200 reissue acoustic. And I'm playing, I forget which electric guitar I was playing, but I'm playing through the tiniest amp. I'm playing through my backpack amp. It's like a Boss Katana Mini. It's like the size of a box of tissue paper. That's my suitcase amp. It's cool for hotel rooms. And we're just jamming together. Thanks for listening, y'all. Keep it alive till you're 95. How you doing, Jude? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me here early on a Sunday uh, morning. Early. This is. I've been up since five o'clock. This is before noon. Like that's. I, I know. It's. It's. Well, you've been playing. You got all these shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, we're gonna find out today if rock and roll can happen before noon. Really. <laughs> I hope to prove it can. But you never know. My voice might break, and uh, I put a lie to that whole thing. But anyway, we're gonna yeah. do some songs, right? I mean, with someone like you, it's like. It's hard to choose which. Someone like you, I don't know that one. <laughs> Someone like you, baby. No, it's. But really, to quote the Scorpions, there's no one like you, Jim Peterick. Yeah. There is no one like you. So it's a real honor to be here, and, and uh, we're going to touch on some of your great tunes. Oh, thank you, uh, Jude. You, you're a great guitar player. I really enjoyed oh, recording with you, you know, a few months ago. I was like, over at the Jam Lab. Very honored to be a surrogate part of uh, Jefferson Starship, you know. Oh, wow. Well, it's just it's such an honor to have you playing bass on that song that you wrote with Kathy, <laughs> who would be here to this morning, but she's still probably recovering from the last two gigs we did it, it, <laughs> last two nights here, here in Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, you, you're a nail, man. You, Of course, you're younger than Kathy. Oh, Kathy's going to hate that. <laughs> well, yeah. only by six months. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you, All right. You, you would know. So you want to do a, a couple songs? Yeah, let's start off that with that one we were playing just before the mics turn on. See if anybody recognizes this one. I remember that one. I remember that one. This is actually one of the first songs I wrote with 38 Special, if not the first song I wrote. In, yeah. in fact, definitely the yeah. first song I wrote. They came into town, and you know Jeff Carlisi and Don Barnes, and I hadn't. I didn't even know these people. It was like a blind date, you know, and. Uh, that's, those are always kind of awkward, sitting around my kitchen table when I still lived in LaGrange, and uh, sitting around, and, oh, how you doing, man, rock and roll, yeah. What, what? Then he, Jeff Carlisi sees a photograph on my wall, and he goes, what are you doing with that group, the Ides of March? I said, that's my group, man. I, Larry and I started that group. He, no kidding. You wrote that song, Vehicle? I said, damn right. We have to do that one, by oh, the way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, finally, we broke the ice, and my, my wife made nachos, and uh, Carlisi says, uh, well, I got a riff, and he goes, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. And, uh, and Don Barnes says, well, I got a title, I don't know if it's any good. I go, well, let's hear it. He says, hold on loosely. I said, yeah, that's good, but don't let go, you know, and I had this whole 
a scenario in my head when I uh, first met Karen, my wife, future wife. Well, now we're 50 years married, <laughs> by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I deserve it. So does she. Anyway, uh, and I said, yeah, but hold on, Lucy, but don't let go. Because when I was dating Karen, I was going a little too fast, being a little too possessive. And so that idea informed the whole song. So before you know it, we had this song. So check it out. All around you Good loving gone bad And usually it's too late When you realize what you have My mind goes back To the girl I met Long years ago Who told me It's hard I'm loosely But don't let go if you cling too tightly, you're gonna lose control. You baby need someone to believe in, a whole lot of space to breathe in. It's so damn easy when your feelings are such to overprotect her, to love her too much. Back to the girl I met long years ago. Who told me? Oh, I'm loosely. But don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're gonna lose control. Your baby needs someone to believe in. Sentimental fool Don't let your heart get in the way Yeah, yeah, yeah You see it all around you Good loving gone bad And usually it's too late when you Realize what you had It's hard on loosely don't let go If you claim that Thailand to her You're gonna lose control Your baby needs someone to believe in Whole lot of space to breathe in Hold on loosely Don't let go If you cling to Thailand to her you're gonna lose up, you're gonna yeah. lose control. Here we go. 
wow, that was a treat, man. I didn't realize we could do the whole song. <laughs> Thank you for playing that. And it's neat to see it like in the, the key where, you know, because it, it's obviously it was produced in the key of E. Oh, forget it. So they move it up to more of like a electric guitar, Les Paul kind of key or that something. That in a human uh, vocal range. <laughs> yeah. Don Barnes is not human. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, that was the first song we wrote together. Were you involved in the recording process? or? Nope. Uh, I, I, uh, we did a demo here at my house. It sounded pretty good. Yeah. But then over to you. And uh, they uh, are really good producers, and they had a, a great engineer that really kind of co-produced them uh, throughout the years. So, What was that person's name? <laughs> if I, I would have told you, I, yeah. I'll think of it, and yeah. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah. But he did many other hits uh, for 38 and other groups, too. He was a yeah. um, Memphis guy. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll get back yeah. to you on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, any other notes about the final arrangement? What you know, it's like. Um, a, well, let me think. Uh, you know, it just kind of evolved. You know, and I remember they they tell the story that I, I said, oh, they thought we had the lyric, and I said, not really. So I went into my bedroom. We wrote it in my house, and uh, you know, and they're just like, "Where's Jim?" You know. Finally, about two hours later, I come out with the final lyric. I said, "That other lyric sucked." You know. Here's the lyric, and they said, "You got it. You're right." That's nice. So, as a songwriter, what's a tip you could offer for working with someone you've never met before? As the oh. blind, the blind date scenario, you yeah. Said, and then to actually try to walk out with the song an hour later—that's kind of well. That was a, a baptism by fire for sure. Uh, but it taught me that I could do that, and you just have to be very open. You have to be like an open page to ideas, to personalities to bad jokes, to, uh, you know, guys that are too high <laughs> to write. <laughs> not, not them. They're, uh, they yeah. were, well, they weren't straight, but straight right. enough <laughs> to, yeah. to function. But I wrote with some people that I just knew, knew there was no future to it because they were too stoned. I can't mm. mention any no names on that one. Right. But so, yeah, you're, it's interesting to walk in there and just bounce around ideas and just keep an open mind, I guess, because you never know what might happen. Well, yeah, you got to be an open page. You really do. And, and even if you don't like an idea that someone gives you, you work with it for a while to see if there's possibilities within that, that song. And so who did the guitars on that? Uh, Don Barnes and Jeff Carlisi. And I, did, I demoed it with Larry uh, at Tanglewood Studios. And they copied that lead verbatim. And well, he he improved it, but that that's that's mine. Nice. Oh yeah. I just play melodically, you know. So I wish I had played it today. <laughs> just, that's okay you did really good I was good. transposing I love this section too that kind of comes out of nowhere right right, but, right like it's like it's a kind of a different key and it's just a, a whole it, nice it, little yeah, interlude you know it, it's really kind of like I rip off things but no one knows you know like what a fool believes um, right. it's like that rhythm uh, that yeah. that song has and um you know, I want to pause on that note for a second and ask you a side question here because I'm 
Where do you think the line is? Sometimes there, sometimes we'll hear a song that was blatantly stolen, like or and but you know the expression goes: good composers borrow, great composers steal. Yeah. And uh, like I was listening to uh, this song, she's like, "What's she, Casey Musgraves?" Da, da, da. She's got songs like, "It's a big enough umbrella." I'm just trying to tell you. Sorry for that impression, but it sounded to me like Search from Survivor. But how can I convince you what you see is real? Yeah, it's like a, so there's like these little melodic pieces that are well, out there, but then at a certain yeah. point, where, where do we draw the line? What do you think about this whole thing? There's been a lot of it in the news lately. With um, yeah. Well, a lot of it's gone, gone to court, too. Yeah. And nowadays, it, it's they're usually settled kind of amicably. When uh, Mick Jagger's daughter said, "You know, I think you ripped off," and what song was that? Oh, no, um, no, Katie Lang song. Anyway, Katie Lang, and and Mick goes, "I don't think I did," but just to stay out of the courts, she's now a writer on that song. Yeah, so there's a lot of settling going on. A lot, lot of settling. Um, you know? So you're saying it's kind of cost of doing business for some artists these days, I guess. It kind of, it kind of is. I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of totally original things happening right now. A yeah. lot of, a lot of things are recycled, but it's how well you do it uh, is whether you stay out of court or not. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well, maybe we could go back to the song that you were hinting at, "Vehicle." Oh yes, thanks, sir. Which uh, I believe you tell us you know, it was written about a young lady. I don't know when you're like fresh out of high school or in uh, high school. Yeah, well, I was a se- I was a senior, uh, right? And she was a sophomore, and I met her in line uh, at the Turtles concert at Riverside Brookfield High School. Neither of us went to that school, but we were both huge music lovers, and I just went stag because I couldn't. I didn't get up the nerve to ask the girl I wanted to from my class. So I went alone, and I came early with my blue pea coat with the hood. And, um, you know, I'm standing there in line. I had my 1964 white Valiant. I parked right in front because I was so early. Uh, and I'm standing there in line, and all of a sudden this gaggle of girls, and gaggle is three or more. That's how I define a gaggle. And uh, everyone cuter than the next. I'm scoping them out, and they're, they're all so cute. But there was one that I, I thought was the cutest of all. And I'm thinking to myself, that girl will never talk to me. You know, she's way too cute. She turns to me and says, aren't you Peterick? I go, last time I looked, yeah. And she said, I just saw the Ides of March at Morton West. You guys were great. And I said, there is a God. <laughs> and uh, we started talking, and we liked all the right, uh, all the same movies and songs. And she had orange culottes on that I found out later she made herself, and knee socks and clunkies, which were saddle shoes. That's what they called them, clunkies. And um, we sat together watching the turtles. And when Happy Together came on, she put her leg on top of mine. And one of the other gals that she was with said, Karen, what are you doing? <laughs> And she goes, that's okay. I trust him. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. I this got is, your attention. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I, I, I got to make sure I'm trustworthy. Uh, so I walked her home because she wouldn't get in the car because her dad said, don't get in anyone's car. No friendly strangers there. No. 
and the rest is history. We started dating and we broke up a few times, but we always got back together and suddenly we're making wedding plans and we got engaged right at the at the doorstep of Riverside Brookfield High School, down on one knee. And uh, I said, get up. No, I was on one knee, actually. <laughs> and uh, uh. so, uh, you, know, but, uh, you know, for a while, though, she was using me as kind of her ride, kind of her limousine service. Well, she was getting in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So finally, you know, I said, you know, all I am is your vehicle, baby. I didn't say that to her. I said that to myself. Because she was asking me to go, you know, take her to modeling school and this and that. And, but it's not a date. Okay, got it. Right. So finally, I drew the line I, and I said, I, I had this riff in my head. That's Hmm, that's cool. Got together with the Ides. And in, in one rehearsal, we, we uh, worked out the arrangement and the whole thing. And it went to number one in the country on the Billboard charts, number two on Cashbox. And finally. How old, how old were you? I was, well, I was 18 when I wrote it, 19 when it came out. Yeah. And uh, everybody thought I was like a burly black guy, but I was an 18-year-old white guy. Uh, and I was trying to be David Clayton Thomas or Ray Charles or something. I think I succeeded to some extent. But uh, finally, it came out, and uh, guess who starts calling me again? You know, maybe I was a little hasty, and this is Karen, of course. Yeah. Maybe we should get back together and try it again. I said, and I let her hang on that phone for like four seconds. I said, you got it. Here we go. <laughs> You're a tough negotiator. I there. am tough. I am tough. But uh, I'll tell you, every time I, I hear this song on the radio, and still to this day, it, it it's so popular. It gets so much airplay. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do it for you now. Great. But you got to help me with the ba-da-ba-ba. Larry, Larry's here, founder of the Ides of, uh, Ides of March. <laughs> That's incredible. I have That's his two trademark. eyes here. You guys go back to, to high school or? Grade school. Grade school. Third grade. Yep. Epic. I didn't realize it, I went back I know, time. man. Uh, we finally, uh, he came uh, knocking on my door when I was in eighth grade, and he's, you know, your band sucks. You got to come with us. Because he had already started the Ides of March with Bob Berglund. <sighs> and I said, oh, we're great. You know, came back next week, knock, knock, knock. Your band stinks. Come on. Finally, I lugged my amp down to his his, uh, his mother's house, and we, I said, yeah, right. you're right. You guys stay on your harmony parts. Hey, that's awesome. Anyway. Yeah, if you want to jump in with some vocal shouts, we'll probably make the mics over here. <laughs> All right. So I need a little help on the horns, okay? We're in a, yep, exactly. One, two. Yeah. Won't you hop inside my car? I got pictures, got candy, I'm a lovable man. Take it to the nearest star. I'm your vehicle, baby. Take it anywhere you wanna go. I'm your vehicle, woman. And now I'm sure you know that I love you, need ya, want ya, got to have you, child. Great God in heaven, you know I love you. Well, well, if 
he wants to be a movie star Gonna take it to Hollywood But if you wanna stay just like you are You know I think you really should I'm your vehicle, baby Take you anywhere you wanna go I'm your vehicle, woman And now I'm sure you know That I love ya, I need ya I want ya, got to have ya, child Break out in here when you know I love you And I'm your vehicle, baby You know that I love you, I need you, I want you, I got to have you, I love you, I need you, I want you, I got to have you, I love you, I need you, I want you, got to have you, child. Great God in heaven, you know I love, love you. One, two, <laughs> Incredible. It works as a two-minute song, too. That's yes, great. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And did you play the guitar solo in that? Or? I did. Funny Listen. story behind that one. So we had our, you know, we were at CBS Studios. And it was like the first rock and roll session that they ever Is this did. L.A. or Chicago? Chicago. Good. I was hoping it was Chicago, Thanks. you know. Huh? I was hoping it was Chicago. It was. It was the first session on their new 16 track. I wonder what brand it was. Probably custom made by CBS. No, no? It, was, um, it was an Ampex. An Ampex, wow. Yeah. It was the new 16 track two inch uh, machine. That was the new thing. Yeah. yeah. Time, because everything before that was not. That's. And this was 70? Uh, 69, it was 69, late yeah. 69. Right, yeah. December 7th, 1969. To be exact, Larry's got good mind for all that. Yeah. Um, but. What was the question? It was a good one. Oh, it was just so the guitar solo and the guitar. Oh you yeah. So and... the funny story is, so we did take one and darn good take, but the producer goes, "Let's let's do take two. It's always a good idea to have at least two takes." So uh, we did take two, and it was killing, man. And I did the solo, but I couldn't hear myself, so I assumed it's it sucked. Well. Something really weird happened that same day, right? Dick Dearborn, the head engineer, left, and the assistant engineer took over. And he pressed something wrong, and he erased 13 seconds of the master take, take two. And we were just, Larry, you got to tell the rest of that story. Oh, well, you know, there's multiple things that happened. the The first thing was that the second engineer guy was left in charge and he went to do a punch, and he was unfamiliar with the machine. So he left <laughs> the machine, you know, all the tracks from the initial recording, he left them all in record ready. Uh-oh. So he hit the button, and they all went in to record. And before Dang. he knew what was going on, it was like he wiped a section of the, um, of the tune, of the master take. So then the main engineer took over. He said, all right, guys, don't freak out. You know, we'll fix this. And we were just, like, freaking out. And we left... And uh, came back about a half hour later. And, of course, it's old school. You know, he had the razor blade. And he went back to the first take. And he determined the section of the song, you know, that was missing in the second take. And he inserted it. I did a perfect edit. We came back. It was fixed. <laughs> and, and the remarkable wow. thing, of course, is that it wasn't recorded to a metronome or anything. It was, yeah. it was a live performance each time. 
Yeah. But they were so similar, you cannot tell. So, so that was miraculous. So um, just about 16 bars of it are yeah. from the, and then, but the yeah, starting a, and ending are of the second take. That ended right before my solo, thank God, because I had no idea what I did. God in heaven, you know I love Solo, um, as it turns out, was a first take for Jim. He just did it. With the band? Yeah, yeah, with the band, live performance, just did it. And like you said, he could barely hear himself. But it was like he just did it. Never played that before. Not even close. I mean, it was like, where did that come from? And he was like, oh, I can do it better, I can do it better. We later came back, and uh, they let me do it again, and... Frank Rand, the co-producer, said, "Yeah, this is not, not bad, but let's let's put up that original one. Thank God they didn't erase it." And I go, "Holy crap, that's amazing!" <laughs> and awesome. then Jimmy had to figure out how to play it. How to play it? Because he didn't know what he did. It was like inside <laughs> out. Yeah. If you already listen to it, it's bizarre. It's almost like you're left-handed or something. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's inside out. Yeah, you're uh, just going for it. My biggest honor was Jeff Beck in an interview back then said that's one of his favorite solos. Wow, that's awesome. What so, guitar did you play? Um, well, I had broken a string on my uh, Epiphone, uh, a Riviera, and so Larry was on organ, so I borrowed his Sunburst, the one he still has, and still has pictures right there. I, I, I played that. your guitar. That's right. Yeah, so thank you. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you, the, those 13 bars are still the red Epiphone before I broke the string. That's right. So... Wait, the, is the solo that we hear both takes, or is that just, that's no, that's just, just the, the one to the, the second one, take? That was the, uh, take two, which was the master right. take, where I couldn't hear myself. Right, right, got it. Cool. I what had to learn you, it. What were you plugged into? It's got a nice uh, kind of like... Direct. Over, oh, yeah, it's got a little overdrive on it. Uh, yeah, just that, jam. that weird cheap overdrive. They took a tap off the uh, dual showman head. I always hated that tone, but now, of course, it's iconic, so it's okay. So dual showman heads direct into a channel on the board. Exactly. Right. And the distortion yeah. was dialed in, you know, overdrive. From the... From the preamp. Of the, uh, of the board. board. Yeah, you just get some the preamp board, distortion, yeah. just Fart turn out. up the trim. Fire out the, <laughs> the, the channel. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the background vocals. Well, uh, so we, we take it to... Uh, our managers take it to uh, Art Roberts at WLS... And he loved it. He said, but, you know, it could be a number one record if you just add the love you need you answers. And uh, I said, uh, you know, Larry says, there's no more tracks. So what now to do? Over to you, Larry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the old days, when you needed more tracks, what you did was you would record on top of a mix. So they took the final mix of the song and they ran it through the board live, and we sang live to that mix onto another two-track. And it was a live blend. 
So the three-part love, you love, you need, you need, you, exists only on the mix. Yeah. It's not on the multi-track. Amazing. So when Stallone wanted to use the song for the movie, there was no backgrounds. That's right. And by the way, there's two versions, one stereo and one mono, and we had to do separate takes for both. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because they're just live mixes. There's no remixing. Yeah. <laughs> Mixing <Yeah>. live. <laughs> well, maybe that's a good segue to, uh, you, I know that you got this famous answering machine call. You're like, there's no way this is <laughs> Stallone, I, but I, it was. I, I, I got home, you know, I'm sorting the mail, and I press play in this big answering machine with a cassette in it, you know, and I, I hear a message from Steve Salzman, my buddy, hey, did you hear the new whatever? Then one from uh, my sister, Alice Ann, and then, hey, hey, yo, Jim, that's a nice answering machine you got there. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, give me a call. I actually thought it was someone putting me on. I thought it was um, our road manager, who was Italian, did a pretty good Stallone. But my wife, God bless her, Karen heard that message with, you know, I'm listening, and she says, who's that? I said, some joker pretending to be Stallone. And she goes, let me hear that. Hey, yo, Jim, that's a nice answer. You, you call him back. So it was an 818 area code, which is a good start. And I call him back. I said, this is Jim Peterick. Is this really Sylvester Stallone? Hey, Jimbo, call me Sly. You know. So here is Kid from Berwyn calling my hero Sly. He was already my hero, by the way, due to yeah. Rocky 1 and 2. And it, it, we, liked him so, we loved him so much, we named our cat Rocky because he had two little boxing glove uh, pause isn't that cute but really we loved rocky and here i am talking to him he said i got this new movie called rocky three i don't want to use that gonna fly now song it's a nice song but i want something for the kids something with a pulse can you help me out no problem sly you know and uh so dig, dig it, man. He said, I'm going to send you the rough cut of the, of the, of the movie, and um, I want you to listen to it. I want you to absorb it, and I want you to write a song that's going to outlive you and me. I said, no problem, Sly. No pressure. No pressure. So two <laughs> days later, FedEx comes, and I read a Betamax Pro from um, an audio dealer that I knew. It's the size of a, you know, a microwave oven. <laughs> and uh, I put it in. I, I called Frankie Sullivan over. And uh, we're listening, and we're listening, and there's a song playing while, they're, while the intro's going. Bump, 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 another one bites the dust, bam, and another. I call Sly. Sly, you got a song. This works great. Oh, couldn't use it, couldn't get the publishing on it. Couldn't get rights. And I always say, thank God, Queen. Uh, <laughs> was that song out already? It, it was, was, yeah. It was, yeah. It was like out, eight, it was already a big hit. And yeah. I guess their producer manager wouldn't wouldn't let it happen because you know for whatever reason. Yeah, we got a, a shot at the title. So actually, they only sent us the first three minutes, and I said, "Sly, we need the whole movie." And begrudgingly, he said, "I'm not supposed to do this. Send us the whole movie." And that's when we watched it, and that's when we heard those magic words, "Rocky, you're losing the eye of the tiger." Well. There it is. Boom, there's a you know, good songwriting tip right sounds there. Sounds like a pretty good kit, yeah. Uh, and we, uh, we recorded it at CRC. We put the drums in a big warehouse to give it that ambient sound. And we recorded it as a demo. And we sent it to Stallone. He said, well, you got a little lazy on me. You didn't write me a third verse. Yeah, you're right. So instead of <laughs> rising up, 
back on it's rising up straight to the top did my time took my chances went the distance now i'm not going to stop just a man in his will to survive you know so changed a few things send it to him he said you really got it you did write a song that's going to outlive you and me next thing you know we're on the red carpet and it's premiered and everybody's cheering but you know it really didn't hit home to me till i snuck in the lagrange theater and i sat in the back row and that song came on and the whole place goes up cheering that's when it really meant like okay we got something here you know wow. and uh so i'll do a little of this and uh check it out What's e flat minor e flat check you out yeah no no a yeah. a a a flat that's right okay that's cool. right is, it, okay. is that how you originally wrote it in the a position or um no it, it was c yeah yeah i can't sing that Wait for the punch. Had We're going to stop right punch. there for a second. Now, that punch, I, when I first heard the song, yeah. I was always like, oh, I guess they're just doing that to be kind of, to, to be different. I was scoring right to the, the action, man. So you're saying that there were some punches on the preview reel that you had. That's right. That came later, and you just matched the music to the pop, pop, Watch it sometime. You'll yeah. see how that late... Uh, da 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 goes right with the punches it's just interesting that became such an iconic part of the song <laughs> that, but it just came from the exterior it, it did it, I made it work you know yeah. uh, so that's why that is a late measure anyway Gonna do this even better now. Got it. Ooh, rising up back on the street. <laughs> I did my time, took my chances. Went the distance, now I'm back on my feet Just a man and his will to survive So many times, it happens too fast You trade your passion for glory Don't lose your grip from the dreams of the past You must fight just to keep them alive It's the eye of the tiger the thrill of the fight rising up to the challenge of our rival and the last don't survive stalks his prey in the night and he's watching us all with the eye of the tiger face to face out in the heat hanging tough staying hungry they stack the odds, still we take to the street For the kill, 
with the skill to survive It's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight Rising up to the challenge of our rival And the last known survivor stalks his prey in the night And he's watching us all with the Love it, man. The Eye of the Tiger. Jude Gold's got the Eye of the Tiger. Kathy's <laughs> <laughs> got the Eye of the Tiger. Here's a big intro. Okay. One, two, three, <laughs> God, it's just such a powerful song. Even like, and then you take it from that, and then what were some of the production approaches? Like uh, the the main lick, which of course is in C. Right. There's like a cool slap back on it. Is that Frankie playing that, or is that you no, playing that's that? Me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, it, it was actually doubled, and it, it was going through a, a chorus, uh, you know, harmonics, electroharmonics uh, flanger, and I did it once, and then I molded it meticulously. Uh, Mark Jubate uh, laid down a great drum track. Actually, it was a little uneven. It was with a click, but it was a little wonky. So I had to really tailor that dugga dugga for yeah. the measures. I mean, it was a good track, but it, it's not perfect. But the uh, the the dead string guitar kind of glued it all together. Did you say the dead string? Like, yeah, muted kind. Yeah, of. the muted thing. And um, what guitar were you playing? Oh, I wish I still had it. It was stolen from a studio downtown. It was a white Les Paul Custom. And it had one humbucker and one uh, high A pickup, active harmonic uh, electronics, magical. And that real transparent sound was the high A pickup. And it was stolen from the studio, man. And if, and it was it was white, but it, you could see the grain through it. That was very rare to to find a white one. In fact, yeah. DJ's music, Danny Hagedorn, got it in. And he said, Jim, you got to come down here. This is a weird guitar. I bought it. It was a custom. What year is it? Like 70s or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Late 70. Yeah. Uh, 75, 76. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, what is that? You know, you, you've made it in the music business in so many levels, but there's a feeling that many people dream about, which is like hearing their song on the radio, not let alone number one. <laughs> What's that like as a 19-year-old or? How about a 71-year-old? A 71-year-old. Same thing. Yeah. But, but I'll tell you, when you're 18 and you hear it, I mean, you can ask Larry. Our first song uh, that we ever had a hit with was called You Wouldn't Listen. It had the riff. I told you he was a fool. You wouldn't listen to me. So number seven in Chicago, uh, Dick Clark played it on his show. Uh, to the the dance, you know, when he had the spotlight dance, and all that. So I mean, it's such a huge thrill. 
I remember, uh, and then our follow-up roller coaster, we cut it again. At this time, we were at another studio. Roller coaster was, hmm, what studio there? It wasn't CBS again, was it? No. 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 Uh, RCA? No. Uh, was it a chess? Yeah, Chess Studios, uh, 2120, where you oh. cut Roller Coaster. And what, as we're coming home, going into uh, Larry's driveway, where we used to rehearse, and he, he lived at the time, still does, actually, we heard our song on the radio. And that was a mind-blower. You know, it's like that, that thing you do where you ride around the, the neighborhood going, that's us, that's us, <laughs> you know. So true. And the same thing happened yeah. with Vehicle. I remember we, we did a show, and we raced over to Salerno's for pizza. Our, our mantra was, if we hurry, we can make it to Salerno's. So we'd go to Salerno's and pig out on, on, on uh, pizza. And the rumor was going through the bar. We just heard vehicle on the radio. And we're going, no, 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 couldn't be. Well, they knew more than we do at, at the bar. They knew that song was on the radio. It was just a huge, huge thrill the next day. We heard it on the radio, and that's when we started going crazy. And suddenly we're on tour, and we're playing uh, Florida. We, go, we toured Florida with the Almond Brothers, which were then called the Almond Joys, and just had, had a ball. Any memorable moments where you met some of these incredible guitar heroes? I guess you must have hung out with Dwayne, and you play with Jimi Hendrix, and apparently he was Led Zeppelin. And- we played with, with, with Dwayne. Uh, I picked up the strings he took off his SG, and I, I kept them, and I put them on my guitar. We were still on a budget. He wasn't, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the Almonds. We played with them a lot with the Ides. Yeah. We were uh, like the college circuit, and we played the warehouse in New Orleans with, with the Almond Brothers. And they were, like, so good. They were almost too good. You know, and we'd get up there and we would do our thing, and we were just a show band. And well, we weren't really, but that's what they called us when they got up there. They were so intimidated by us that they, well, we're not a show band like the Ides of March, you know, but we play some good old rock and roll, you know. (laughs) So we intimidated them, which was very cool. Yeah, hit hit songs are intimidating. But did you pick up anything watching Dwayne plug in? I mean, he, I picture him just playing really loud through an old Marshall or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was definitely loud through an old Marshall, just like you said. But after one song, he said, anybody got any Coke? And I thought he meant Coca-Cola. And I, I got him a Coke. I put it on the, on the stage. True story. And he goes, what's that? And I said, well, it's Coke. He, goes, he rolls his eyes. Anybody got any Coke? <laughs> That's the business. That's the business. Well, this is great. I also remember where I was standing when I heard heavy metal. Oh, man. And that I think it was in the uh, heavy metal movie. Well, yeah, it was, it was a, on the radio. Se- semi-pornographic uh, animation called Heavy Metal. Yeah. That man cow, you know, the disc jockey here in town, he's, he goes on record as saying he had his first erection during heavy metal. He was nine years old. <laughs> Sounds like something he would say over a billion watts of FM radio power. And it's probably true, too. Oh, wow. Drop D, huh? Drop D. You got to get down and funky. Yeah, this is another blind date. This time with Sammy Hagar. I loved him, you know, because he was with uh, Montrose. And he was just a phenomenal uh, singer and guitarist. 
And John Kaladner uh, signed him to Geffen. It's time for him to make the, his first record with Geffen. And Kaladner was kind of a mentor to me. He put me together with a lot of people, Henry Paul and so many people, yeah. and Sammy Hagar. So, uh, so I fly down uh, t to meet with him. So this is another blind date. And I, I flew down to um, where he was living in Sausalito. Uh, but, of course, it was, I flew into... San Francisco? Thank you. <laughs> flew into San Francisco. And this is when you could pick up the person you're going to meet at the curb by the luggage. And he has his, his red Ferrari Daytona, and it's smoking hot. And he gets out and hugs me, and blonde hair flying. And we go and... We go to his house in Sausalito, and people are waving, hey, Sammy, you know. And I go, this guy's a big star, big star here, especially here. And this is one of those blind dates, and we sat down, and we just chatted, and we talked, and I showed him a few uh, ideas, and we actually wrote a song before we wrote this one, which never came out, but someday it will. But then he said, you know, my manager, Eddie Leffler, said, you know, there's this movie coming out called Heavy Metal, and I hear they're looking for a theme song. And Sammy goes, let's write that. I said, sounds good to me. And, um, you know, we had a, a little bit of um, that real strong coffee that we picked up on the way, and this stuff was nuclear, you know. So after a few, few uh, sips of this nuclear coffee... We sit down and we, we start jamming. And uh, I came up with this idea, one-way ticket to midnight, call it, uh, call it Sammy Hagar, no. Uh, one-way ticket to mi midnight, call it heavy metal. And uh, he said, I like that, I like that. And you know how chemistry is. It's hard to separate the fibers of a, of a quilt. But suddenly we had this tune and we put a, a demo on his Tascam four track we sent it to Ed, Eddie Leffler, and he says, man, you got it. They're going to they're gonna love this. So what, what was the original riff like when you first wrote it? Because like, oh, obviously it's, it moved to the key of A or something, it, but it I want to hear yeah. the original shit right here. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that was Sammy's riff, if I had to guess. Yeah. You know, but uh, I was real instrumental in Headbangers and Leather, Sparks Flying into the Dead of the Night. Yeah. And then he goes, it all comes together when they shoot out the lights. And so it was just this ping oh, pong. Man. Great first date right there. That was yeah. a really good date. Yeah. We're still <laughs> trying to have the second date. <laughs> so here we go. It's something like this. That's awesome. Headbangers in leather. Spock sign in the dead of the night. It all comes together When they shoot out the lights, yeah 50,000 watts of power And it's pushing overload The beast is ready to devour All the metal it can hold about to explode About to overload It's your one-way ticket to midnight Call it 
Heavy metal, high and high, feeling just right. Call it heavy metal, desperation on the midline. Call it heavy metal, no. Saying lipstick. She's riding on the razor's edge. She holds her own against the boys. Cuts through the crowd just like a witch. Ugh. Can you feel the static? So many contacts being made. We got up-front fanatics Breaking down the barricades To reach the stage Can't you feel the rage? It's your one way to get to midnight Call it heavy metal High and high, feeling just right Call it heavy metal Desperation on the red line Call it heaven metal, high and high feeling just right. Call it heaven metal noise. Heaven metal noise. Heaven metal noise. Heaven metal noise. Look out. Call it heaven metal. Oh my god, what a what a treat to have you singing this shit right here. It's blowing my mind. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And that's a, what, that song came out great. The the production on that is, you know, really huge sounding guitars and three-dimensional. It, there's multi versions of that uh, even by yeah. Sammy. There's one that made it into the cartoon, you know, animation. Yeah. And then he recut it for the album. And they're both good. But if you notice they're really different tempos. One's like really fast and one is very deliberate. Right, okay, yeah. Check it out sometime. Sammy story, man. And he obviously went on to do some stuff. Oh man, he's a, he's a hero of mine, a friend and hero, best yeah. kind. Before I let you go, let's talk about maybe on one of your newer songs, "Too Far to Turn Around." Or oh shoot, yeah, yeah. Let me tune again. Are you okay, time wise? Yes. Jim, Jim works at a great uh, music complex. Great. Yeah. All good. You accepting new clients for guitar repair? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if Kathy has anybody. She should have, uh, she should know about Jim. because yeah, she's got guitars that haven't been fixed since like 1995. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. She makes them work. Yeah. A friend of mine went to see uh, her and you, of course, uh, yesterday. I couldn't make it. And um, Soldinger, Larry Soldinger. Oh. And he said, man, that girl can sing. That was his only comment. Well, yeah, we, we, well, you mean this weekend? Yeah. 
Yeah, we did the city winery, and then we just played at a, in Aurora last night. Yeah, I don't know which, maybe it was the day before, I can't remember. Been a wild weekend, but um, yeah, she can sing, and she has that crazy energy where anything can happen at the show. Like, it usually does. It makes for an interesting show if you're not like sticking to a very tight script, you know? I hear you. People shout out a song like, hey, let's try it. <laughs> so there's always that little risk of a train crash, but so far we've pretty much kept them on the rails for the most part. That is kind of fun. You know, with the Starship, you can stick a little more to script. Yeah, that's a little more, you know. There's too many members to f- fuck around too much. Yeah, although we do have our psycho psychedelic moments and, you know. Do you? Torturing guitars and feedback and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like a new Ides song you got for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I'll do a little bit of this, but we do this what? live and it, it just always goes Such a over. Remind me, what's the melody? A little guitar thing. What is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually wrote this in China. I I, uh, I played. It wasn't even Beijing. It was Qingzhou, Qingchang Province, a little bit north of. Um, no, no, excuse me. Like you would know, west right. of uh, Beijing, and uh, I I went out there myself. I'll never go alone to China again. <laughs> when I landed, a, a young gentleman actually held my luggage hostage. He didn't steal it. He held it hostage. Until I paid him 20 bucks. Wow. That was my first in, in, introduction to China. But anyway, it turned, it was much better after that. And I, I played, uh, uh, oh, the, the promoter picked me up and we went uh, pretty far to a, 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 a giant field. And he said, I have to apologize, we have a very small crowd today. I said, that's all right. I've played for small crowds before, only 80,000 people. And I go, Dang. that's a small crowd. He said, oh, yes. 150, more, more, um, more proper. <laughs> yeah, but, it must have been like uh, a anyway, Monday night or something. So, I, yeah, I had one guitar, and uh, when I be- got back to the hotel room, I go, where am I? You know, I was jet-lagged, and I said, I don't know where I am, but I've come too far to turn around. So, that, so I wrote well, this in the hotel room. And when did you write this? When was that gig? This is in, about five years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, and then uh, the ads uh, gave it uh, its own spin, and... We do it, and it's on an album that, that we have. And so here we go. Too far to turn around. Dedicated to Ching Chang Province. One, yeah. two, three, four. My reflection in the window is someone who I'm just about to meet. I've seen the miles I've left behind The clouds of dust I've stirred up on the street I can no longer cheat my passion It's time to put this plan in action Can't take the easy out The braver route is calling out my name I'm on the road to where I've never been Beyond the borders of imagining This story is my life I own the movie rights This passport is my faith The shoes I wear tonight 
I am wide awake, but I am dreaming. Stumbling as my first step hits the ground. But I've come too far to turn around. Gonna take it all the way now. Repeat. I'm on the road to where I've never been. Beyond the borders of imagining. The story is my life. I own the movie rights. This passport is my faith. The shoes I'm wearing tonight. I am wide awake, but I am dreaming. I don't know who I am or where I'm bound. But I've come too far to turn around. That's a great song. Thank you. What do you think about certain chord progressions? Like, chord progression is not a song, but yet there are certain progressions that just are, they have one little twist in them or a little move that is so satisfying. Like, like when I hear this one. The... Yeah. What's the lyric on that part again? I can no longer cheat my passion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you hear something like a, like a simple progression, like, like Tom Petty or something. Yeah. Free falling. I guess this that's so simple, but there's just money in that. You, you, uh, like, there's money in it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't mean literal money, but yeah, literal no, money. I know both. Both. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's to me that little spot on that song has that sort of satisfying cadence. Yes. Do well, you look for those or? Let's no. You just find them. It's, it's yeah. found found gold. Yeah. Not chewed chewed gold. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you, man. It's been a really pleasure. Oh, it's been fantastic. Thank you for doing this. Um, are you playing the Cubs game tomorrow or something? You said or? Uh, that changed to the fifth, uh, the twelfth. Excuse me, twelfth of July. That's probably good for your schedule. What, what are you going to do at the at Wrigley? Uh, it's called the national anthem. Oh, you're doing that? Something new. But I'm going to do a, <laughs> a very uh, kind of a twisted version of it. Not disrespectful, but oh yeah, kind well, of. You're- the, you're not going to do the Whitney Houston version. Oh, God, if I could hit that note, I would. <laughs> yeah, it's still magical at this yeah. point. Well, uh, Do you ever, you ever play there, too? Like, play some songs sometimes at those well, baseball games? Well, we do games? the Sox Park a lot. Um, yeah. And uh, we always, we, the ads yeah. have this great four-part harmony version of the National Anthem ah, that just cool. kills. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. Sox or Cubs? Come on, guys, give it up. Give it up. Sox or Cubs? Oh, God. Don't make me do this. <laughs> We're, we're bi-coastal. We're, we're well, bi... No. Um, my dad was a Cubs fan. That's all I can say. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, you're a national treasure and also, of course, a Chicago treasure. All you guys are. Larry, really thank you guys for uh, having us over here today. Uh, man, uh, my pleasure, Jude. And, and it's, it's great being grilled by someone who really knows music <laughs> and has a great career himself. So. Oh, thanks, man. Coming from you. Well, appreciate it. Keep alive to your million and five. Right on. Oh, the time is safe.